Oh, it's good to see everybody here this morning. And everybody I see made it through the storm. That's good. I hope you raised a hallelujah in the middle of the Yeah. This morning, we're going to, uh, I'm going to preach a message, and then we're going to uh, see a video in the middle of the message, and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you did not receive uh, one of these little cups, I think it is, feel free to, uh, our ushers will have some in the back uh, for you at, when we do that. Uh, just raise your hand and we'll get those to you. Um, you, you know, I, I just am so excited. Next week is Mother's Day and we want to honor all the ladies. Let's give all those that are here that are mother's hand. Yeah. If you're here and you're a father, you better been clapping on that one right there. I tell you what, you can get a lot of mercy, but that's one thing that you better not try. Um, that's next week. I want to uh, just say, you know, to all the men that came to the men's ministry group, that was a, a fun month. We had a great time. Uh, we're going to do something uh, as a men's breakfast. The uh, As of now, we'll give you more details, but the Saturday before the Sunday of Father's Day. So you can put that on your calendar. And uh, we'll have eggs and all the good stuff, bacon, and I'm sure more than that. But that's something uh, to put on the calendar. You know, this is this is the first Sunday of May. Does it, doesn't life go quick? Come on now. The, the older that I get the faster it goes. Is, is anybody in agreement with that? And, and somebody told me one time why that is. It's because if you, you know, if you've lived 50 years versus 20, you only have 20, so to speak, if you had a pie, you cut it up 20 times, your pieces are, are a lot bigger than when you're 50 and you got 50 pieces to look back on and and life is like that the the older we get the the quicker it seems because we have more to look back on and this morning I, I want us to kind of with that concept with that idea realize how important every day is in our relationships with one another how, how important they are because in life life goes so fast and we have so many people you know, we, we live in the Metroplex. Somebody goes, this is a Metroplex? Yeah, we live in the Metroplex. And, and hopefully you know that by now. And, and you go to places uh, to shop, to bank, and there's a lot of people. And if you're not careful, you, you, you begin to go, you know what? There's too many people. And you begin to shut down. You begin to say, you know what? I, I don't even have to smile. I don't even have to wave. I don't even have to be nice. See, see, we're believers. In, in the last few weeks, we've talked about um, the importance of knowing who God is. And then we talked about how important it is to know who you are. And, and mainly that whole series was in knowing who God is. Um, before we go on, I wanted to speak on the importance of evangelism and reaching out and telling people about the love of God. You might say, Pastor White, you wear a yellow shirt. I know my wife on the front row is saying that this morning. She saw me carrying in a yellow shirt and said, you're bringing in an extra change of shirt there? I want to 
I wanted to wear something bright this morning that stood out so that you would say, I, I don't know if I remember the last time a pastor preached that I heard him preach with a yellow shirt on. Some of you are thinking hard. When was I don't know. And when you remember this crazy little visual art, you know, or whatever, illustration, I, I want us to know that each one of us has the ability to stand out in a dark world. You know, it, it doesn't take much if you do it on purpose. If you understand that God has a purpose for each of us that are his children, we, we can call ourselves disciples, that, that sounds good, disciplined learners of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. And even though it's important to know who we are in Christ Jesus and who, what he says about us and, and to, to get that secure, it, the whole good news is not just for us. It's for a world that desperately needs good news. You know, uh, I, I read a story, and, and I wanted to share it. This, this happened years ago in 1930. Uh, a man named Harold Viden. Now, now listen to the story. It happened in England, and the king was going to make an announcement over the radio. And it was important, and it was going to go all over the world about how they were standing and, and during the crisis of World War I and, and how they're coming out of it and all the things that was going on. And right before the international broadcast, one of the employees of CBS News accidentally tripped over one of the wires, cutting off the entire American radio listening audience. Harold, without even thinking of, I mean, not putting any thought, he just said, I'm going to do it. He grabbed both ends of the severed wire and allowed the electricity to go through his body for the entire time of this king's speech in which it was broadcast uninhibited all over the world. He went down kind of as a hero of being able to do that. But, but I thought, you know, this morning as we talk about what we're going to talk about in evangelism and, and telling people about the good news, that we ought to be conduits, just kind of like what he, when the king speaks through the word of God through us, people then be able to, they're, they're able to receive it. They're able to understand it because, you know, there, there's something about people that will say, you know, I don't read that's why they think they can't read the Bible. Or they say, you know, I, I don't speak King James, even though there's more translations today and other, you know, translations than ever before. But everybody can read you. And they can read me. And if you know it or not, people are watching us in order to see really about this good news. You know, Paul said it this way, how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? You know, there's a lot of people that we disagree with in the world. There's a lot of people that are doing things that we don't agree with. and they're not. But the thing is that we're here to make a difference. And a lot of times we're able to go, you know what, I'm not like them and they're wrong. But see, God has put us here on this earth to be salt. 
The, the Bible says if, if saltiness or salt has lost its flavoring, it's worthless. It's important to realize even the test of what is a flame, really what fire is, if you talk about being passionate. Let, let me just say this. Let's just sum it up. What, what is the definition of how do you know something's a flame? Because it'll set something else on fire. Fire that will not set something else on fire is a contradiction. It, it just doesn't make sense. So as believers this morning, as we're, we're wading into these, these passages in this story, I, I want us to understand that there's something that's going on on the inside, if we know it or not, and it's coming out and being communicated on the outside. We have to realize that if we're the, we're, we're the uh, salt of the earth or we're the light of the earth, if we're, we're light in the dark world, Jesus said it this way. When he's looking and he's telling his disciples that he has just spent time with this woman that is at the well and he's beginning to tell her about, you know, who he is and, and there's a revelation that's taking place in her life. The disciples show up and, and she's a lady that's not really who he should be talking to. She's a Samaritan. And he says this, would, would you guys just look? The whole fields are white with harvest. They're, they're ready to be harvested. And so many people are going, well, I know physically when we look out on the field, looks like the peaches are ready or the corn's ready or the food's ready. But Jesus was trying to tell them, open your eyes. Look at all these people out here that are hungry. The, the, the spiritual harvest is ready and you have you. I have what it takes. Cultivators belong and need to get out in the field. Listen to that again. Cultivators need to get into the field. Jesus, some of you might not realize this, but there was 132 reported contacts of people in the gospels where jesus contacted or touched people 132 listen to this out of the 132 only 10 of them took place in a religious place a church area let, let me say it this way six were in a temple four were in synagogues but 122 were out where the people the mainstream the marketplace where people walked 122. Okay, let me do it as a pin. Is this on? The monitors aren't on, so. I 122. Yeah, yeah. You see that? that? That's what. That's what a little motion behind it. 122 out of 130 people were contacted. Those were the times where Jesus is walking around and he's not like, hey, 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 hey. What's your name? What? Billy? Okay, Billy. We have church on Sunday. Come on down here. Okay, okay, okay. That's enough of that. Let's go on. See, see, our church needs that strategy where we as individuals go out and we touch people's lives. Then we 
come back here to celebrate. We, we, we invite people to the church. Matter of fact, you, some of you didn't realize, but let me, I got it right here, is this little business card. It, it says the chapel, it's our address. It's got a nifty little map on the back because, you know, a lot of people go, where's that at? Where's that at? And they go, it's even got a map. It's got the church. It's got the time that we meet. And then it has a phone number of our prayer team. And somebody holds the phone, and we pass that around, I believe. Lisa's and and Twyler's helping us in that area. And any time that somebody needs prayer, they can call that number. Now, now some people might interpret that as, well, I need one of those cards for myself. And that's good. But the hope is that you have a connection with somebody that you can say, hey. And after, listen, this is the strategy that I I want us to look at again, because this is what we've done over the years, is each one of us begin to build a relationship or a relational bridge with an unbeliever. Well, let me just break that down. A relational bridge is getting something in common with somebody that you know, someone that you might not consider, I love that person, because I don't know anybody that just falls in love with somebody that you met for the first time. We've all been there before. Pass that out. You know, go, go on past the, the, the dating relationship. I'm talking about a neighbor that might move in next to you. The postman that you see about once in a, a month. I, I'm talking about those. But building a relational bridge is something that is very easy to do that sometimes we take for granted. And, and here's what I've learned. It, it's called the 101% principle. 101% principle. You talk to someone, not I mean, you don't have to talk to them very long, and you can find something that you have in common with that person, usually at least 1%. Let, let me give you an example. I have a border collie. I have two border collies. I might be talking to somebody, and, and they're from a different country. They might like different foods than me, and all of a sudden I find out that they have a border collie. All right, there it is. A relational bridge is just finding something you have in common with somebody, and then you begin to pour 100% into that 1%. Pastor, you're making it awful easy. I don't know why I haven't done it in the past. That's where I'm here. Then you share a verbal witness. Just listen, uh, I'm a pastor. Went to Bible college. So just take that whole pressure off you. It's in the new, it's it's in the Word of God. Just start making the lasso bigger and bigger and bigger. But a verbal witness, you're a witness. You're not a defense attorney. You're not trying to wrestle somebody to the ground and say, Repent, sinner! You're just witnessing. What is a witness? This is what's happened in my life. Let me tell you, you, I I can argue with you, you can argue with me over if the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. All the trivial things in the world. But you can argue all you want, but it's not going to affect me on my witness, what God's done in my life. And you know what? That's about the only thing that I know that I'm an expert in. (laughs) What has happened in my life. So it's very important as a believer to realize that then just sharing a verbal witness. Hey, 
Can I just tell you what God's done in my life? You might say, man, God bless me today. You don't have to set up a meeting with them and, and, you know, have maps out of the New Testament. and No. And then invite them. Let, let's call it a, an event. It doesn't have to be a church event to, per se. It, it can be something like, hey, a couple of us guys are going out to eat. We want to invite you or, you know, whatever. It, it's an event that, again, that they, they will now, because of the relationship that you built with them, they'll, they'll be able to attend. So real quick, get your Bibles out. I want to I show you some pa- just this one passage. passage and I want to just take some points out of this passage of Scripture. And, and a big word of saying it is expository preaching is just we're going to take the points right out of it. And, and it's Jesus, and he's being Jesus. He's walking around, and one of these times where he contacts, and he's a connector of people, when he, when he touches this person, all of a sudden, life change happens. This is an example. You know, we follow Jesus as our, as our leader. We follow him as... Um, uh, in, in water baptism and, and all these things. This is something that a lot of times um, we overlook. I could have used Zacchaeus. Remember the little guy that climbs a tree and his life's changed? We could use the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. But today I want to use a man named Levi. And, and he's mentioned in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. If you have some notes, write these points out. Because, again, the more that you use your senses, your eyes, your ears, and we're not going to put out an evangelism smell today, but if I could, I would. But your senses, that's why I got a yellow shirt on, so you'll never forget this message. Hopefully. I don't remember what he preached on back in May, but he had that yellow shirt on. That would be defeating. I don't... Luke chapter 5, verse 27 It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Now, now the first point I I want you to write down is the ability to see potential in the improbable. Now, now, here is something that just kind of is hard for a lot of us because of the the past in our life, we get to a place where we already think and we've already have a paradigm of what's going to happen. Two plus two equals four. In this scenario, Jesus would have just, oh, look at that dude right there. He's a tax collector. Now, let me just, because a lot of people that have been in church realize how deep it cut for the Jewish people to look at these tax collectors. They were Jewish people, but they were working for the Roman government. It was uh, a corrupt system where a lot of these tax collectors even had to buy their position. But when they bought their position, they could really rob percentages from the people. This this person, by the whole community standard, didn't have a good reputation, and, and he didn't have potential. He was a loser. He was a person that was overlooked to be invited to different places and different events probably because of what he did for a living. And and here's the Roman government and they come in and they're collecting 
revenue from the Jewish people. And, and I don't know if you know the history, but Rome did not conquer Israel. In history, the, the two kind of leading family members began to fight, and they, in one of them, to get power, invited the Roman government in to kind of help overtake the other. In history, this is before Caesar, and the guy was Pompey. And, and so he, would, he rode in, and really without, he didn't have a gun, but without firing a shot, Rome took power and put this guy in just as a puppet. Ever since this, the Roman or the uh, Jewish people hated the Romans, especially because they would come in and pick somebody or, after being paid for the position, give it to somebody. And Levi was one of these guys. Jesus comes in, and, and here's the thing that some of us, sometimes it's hard to, but he sees him as a priceless child of God before he does anything different. See, because when we hear a message and we say, Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, we go, oh, hallelujah. But when we look at somebody else that we don't like too much, that's the, that's the roadblock a lot of times in our mind to looking at them worthy of being told the good news. And we go, ooh. I tell you what, if I ran on amens, I'd be running out of juice right now. Think about it. Maybe because of his choice to be, again, to take on what he did for a living as his identity, as a reputation. Before I go on, maybe there's somebody you know. Maybe it's you. Maybe because of a choice in your life. All of a sudden, then he began to attract negative influencers around him. You know, if you're a parent, it doesn't take long to tell your children, be careful who you're hanging around with at school because who you spend the most time with, you just it's just easy to be like that. And then you tell your children that, and it's not long until you go to your first job or your second job or your third job, and you go, ooh, why am I hanging around? But see, as a believer, if we're not the number one influencer wherever we go, we, we, we need to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because see, as a believer, a lot of times we want to get out of that dark situation. Whoa, man, they're cussing down there. They're not too pretty. Ooh. Can you pray, Pastor, that I could get another job without that? Now, listen, I understand what you're saying, and I understand the good heart that believers have. But at the same time, realize that you're anointed to solve the problem. I didn't say to make those people feel bad. Here comes that whole, and they're going to do that. I remember in high school playing football, they say, here comes Father John. Now today I'd be like, 
But when I'm in high school, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be Father John. Father John, I'm not a priest. They, I tried to get them to kiss my ring, but they wouldn't do that. What's the benefits? And again, it's not to be in a dark place to make other people, you know, see that you're going to repent. No, it's being that influence that, you know, that really the children's ministry is going on in there. I know that. But if, if we were all in that and people that we hung around had moms and dads, you know, that were still, you know, they'd say, oh, I want you to hang around those Christians because they're a good influence on your life. The second thing I want you to see. The second point is an abandonment to God's purposes. In Luke chapter 5, verse 28, it says, And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. You know, you, you got to read that a couple times and think, Did he just really do that? All his reputation is in this, and all, all he's doing, and he's making all this money, and all of a sudden he just goes, I'm done. Drops the mic and walks off. It's immediate. It's drastic. Have you ever realized that the more abandonment you are, the more committed you are? The more that you've invested into something, the more that it's, it's not as easy just to abandon it and say, no, I'm not. But the more that you have invested, the more that you want to see it worked out. Again, evangelism, building bridges, sharing your faith, Inviting peepers, people, inviting people <laughs> and peepers, whatever that is, to secret events, to making life commitments. A lot of times a person that has not followed God or knew God and makes a commitment, come on now. Isn't it a lot of times exciting to be around those people? Not, not that I don't love to be around you. Seriously, I love being around you. But there's something refreshing. Not that you're not refreshing, but, but there's something different. Not that you're not different. But you, you follow me. As a church, man, it's exciting to see people that are coming in. They're going, man, I love God. You know, I haven't said it in a while, but so do I. Number three. Intentional outreach. If you look at the next verse in 529, it says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large look and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. Now think about it. It was expensive. Levi put out money, but of all people that were going to come were more like him. Soogie zoogie, here we go. Look at this. He throws a party. Oh, Jesus, don't go to those parties. He didn't know. Well, if you have a party, then you got to, you know, get it down there where, you know, no, don't invite those folks. Do you, do you realize that, you know, sometimes we get into this place, you know, I, you might say, "Well, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a senior citizen lady. I I, I can't throw a party, or I'm I, I'm I, I don't I don't have many friends that are unsaved. I, I know all of those. 
You, you can, whatever stage, but every one of us, sometime in the week that we live, are going to be an influence of those people that are around us, our neighbors, or, or, or even our family, hello, yeah. that, that don't know God. Yeah. It's intentional outreach. It, it's on purpose. Can, can you imagine if Levi would have gotten... You know, life changed, and he, he would go up to people, the tax collectors that he knew, and he said, they're going to have a dinner on the grounds at the synagogue. I just want to invite all you tax collectors next week to. They would have said, we'll be there when something freezes over because we're not going. Intentional outreach. Do, do you know that... Uh, Going where people are is not always easy. That going to places that we know that connect with people, it, it's not easy to go to a Little League baseball game because your son's playing, but also looking at the people that are there that are maybe don't have a clue of Jesus Christ and to be able to speak to them about it. Do, do you know that it's intentional when you begin to see opportunities arise and instead of, you know, maybe kind of going, ah, oh, that, that's too hard, you're intentionally ready to take that step? You know, in, we, we see it in business because that, that's how we make our living, so to speak. I read this years ago about a real estate company, and they came up with a way to get new customers, and some of you now are going to be knowledgeable about this and go, hey. But a real estate company had a town, and it wasn't that large, but they divided it up with 500 families per agent. So there were several agents. And what they did was they said for that agent to connect with all 500 of those families one time a month, just sending them a letter, uh, calling them, never going over to their house because that would be too intentional too much where people would shun away from that but they would make a connection for a year without actually meeting the person just they're just connecting with them they said that the stats if they would continue that then after a year to a year and a half that 80 percent of those would become their customers when they wanted to list their house or when they wanted to buy a piece of property because they had developed a connection with those people. Now, does, does that not make sense? I don't know about you, but if somebody's put that much interest into me, then, then I say, hey. I... Do, do you know that we have more to tell good news than Amway or, you know, this kind of deal? Now, that, that might be okay, but this is, this is life-changing. This is eternity. I want to show you a video. You know, as a church, we we decided to do something that was unorthodox, which was just totally that it's it's not common. But I believe that we're innovators. In any kind of tipping point, there are those that are early adapters. Those are the inventors. They're the the, the first group is the inventors or the um, innovators. 
And then you have the early adapters. This is any kind of breakthrough, or you could say fad even. But this is more than a fad in believing in evangelism. But then you have the majority of people, and then you have the late adapters. That's just the process that goes. So, so think about this. If you take any kind of thing that took off, um, I'll, I'll even go back to back in the you know early America where they came out with railroads. The people that developed the railroads, they, they were the early adapters to ride on them and, and really travel all over. Well, there were people saying, you can't get on that train. It goes too fast. Your head will explode. 40 miles an hour, come on. Then after that, then there was an early adapters. People would ride on it. Then you had the majority of people that would, do you know there was still people, I wouldn't get on one of those railroads. And then finally the late adapters came around and said, well, you know, I'll try. And you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought. My head didn't explode. It wasn't going that fast. So as a church, I believe that we're innovators in doing something that, I know t- church world, but to, to purchase land enough to build a coffee shop on? Do you know that we influence people? Some of, some of you aren't that familiar with what goes on at, the, at Axiom Coffee on a, on a regular basis. People that come in and their eyes are this big, they said, we have to have our, our time here because there's, there's this, this place is a place of peace. They don't even know that a church owns it until we tell them. Watch this video. Maybe you know this good-looking guy.
decided to go to the church, and uh, from there I was just like, oh, this is, I was kind of like, this is like God. Let me tell you that when we decided as a church to build a coffee shop instead of building a sanctuary, it started with me saying, God, what? A coffee shop? I get excited every Sunday when I see you pull in. But there's something about me that I'll sit down there at the coffee shop and I'll be working on my computer and I'll see another customer pull in and I'll get excited. (laughs) And I'll say, they're just here to get a cup of coffee. And God said, are they? (laughs) Our men's ministry in the month of April had two men attend our group that don't go to our church. They don't go to any church. They, they just know people that are hanging around and working at Axiom. Luke will say, hey, hey, we have this men's group. Why don't you come? And, and to be honest with you, sometimes they'll be like, no, I think we're going to have steaks tonight. Steak, I, I think I could come. So, so do, you, do you understand that intentional outreach, getting to the place of this last point is compassion for lost people. A lot of times as we are church people, you know, if, if you go to church and, and you regularly make it a, a point to have a habit of going to church, you, you know that you're doing that for a purpose. You're, you're, you're trying to hear the word of God and celebrate and keep on the right track and allow the word of God to change you. But becoming so churchy, sometimes we lose our purpose, and some of our purpose is to have compassion for those that are lost. And, and it's when we begin to understand that there, there are times and there's places, and as a church, you know, as a church, each one of us, we know that the Great Commission is you go into all the world. You, me, go into all the world and preach the good news. But so many years as a pastor, what, what do we do about that verse as a church, corporately? And for years and generations, it's been that we build a building so that people can invite their friends in here instead of going into the world and preaching the good news. When we go into the marketplace where people are coming, they're not coming to church. 
They're coming to get a cup of coffee. And listen, when they are able, and as, as our church begins to be a more influence in that coffee shop, you'll, you'll see different things. Because we're not going to advertise Jesus saves. You know why? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And some people have been told that Jesus is, you know, the bad guy. And so soon it, now. But when they see somebody that they go, and that person is different. What, what's different about you? I love God. Do, do you know that, not, not 100%, but probably, and I could ask Keith and you'd have to think about, but a large population of people that come to the coffee shop are senior citizens. The other day I saw two couples that, you know, they were older and, they, of course, they were retired and they're there during the day. And I thought, how cool is it to influence all different ages? Because a lot of times we think, well, they're just the young adults or the youth group that meets there. No, no, no. We have church groups. We have Gateway that will use it for Bible studies. We have Milestone, a men's ministry group that meets there or has in the past. We have women's groups. And, and wasn't it just recently, Brooke, that a women's group said that we've had our Bible studies all over, but this place, what's different? And she goes, well, told her the story of the church. She goes, oh, that's why. You know, kind of like spooky. Oh, that's why. So even though you could say that we all kind of smile and say our church is doing something, you, you understand what I'm saying. That's not enough. This morning as we ask the worship team to come back up, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And, and you know that every time, every month that we take the Lord's Supper, what I say is we do this to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And today I want you to do that, but I want you to do something more. I want you to remember that Christ died on the cross not just for us, but for those people that are unsaved in our community, that we never lose sight of our missions, you know, around the world that we're giving to every month, that we don't lose sight of our family, because a lot of times that's only, the only people that we're focused on is our unsaved loved ones. But we're going to focus on those people that are in our community and around the world that don't know Jesus. I asked Lisa to sing this song. And again, as, as you know, that I believe as you sing, you're, you're actually singing, you're actually hearing yourself sing, you're actually confessing, you're actually declaring the words of a song. And I don't know if you think you can sing. I can sing pretty good in the shower. And some of you say, well, I can sing a solo, solo, you can't hear me. I know all those jokes. But this morning, I want you to sing loud enough that you can hear yourself and realize the wonderful words that you're hearing yourself sing about how much God loves us. And he loves those people that are dying. I'll end this before, I'll, I'll say this to end this and then we'll sing Reckless Love. Floyd Smith, years ago, was a man's name that decided that he was going to go down in this cave and discover a fortune. 
he had made his way down in this cave to under 125 feet under the surface of the ground. The story is that his leg hit this, this part of the cave and it came crashing down on him, a seven-ton boulder that trapped him underground in an eight-inch by 12-feet spot, ice cold. People were notified, the, the, the uh, rescue crew got mobilized, and it became... Back in the day when it was reported, it became one of the biggest news events of that era. The story goes that over the course of the next 24 hours, people flocked all from all over that area to that side of that cave. 50,000 tourists above the ground bought hot dogs, they bought balloons from vendors that had been brought in during the rescue operation. And Floyd Smith died alone in that cave. And he could be heard saying, get me out of here. Does, does anybody care that I'm in here? Can I just encourage all of us never to lose sight of the good news of what has been given us, that we can share it to other people, that we can share it to other people to tell them, you know what? I don't know what your past has been. I don't know what people have told you about God, but I'll tell you the truth by the word of God that he loves you. And that he died for you. Before we take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to have the worship team sing this. I'm going to have you confess it. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together.